Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first ever episode of the Keynote Podcast. Um, this is a podcast uh, hosted by me, Phil Solaris, whatever you call me. Um, and I interview a lot of up-and-coming producers in the electronic scene, and this is the first episode. Um, I'm joined by a really special guest, uh, Dan, Paper Skies. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Um, so just a little bit about him. He's been in the scene for, I want to say, what, seven years now under the Paper Plane slash Skies alias? Yeah, coming up on seven. We're about uh, six and a half so far. Yeah, and so you've had various radio show features. You actually, um, in 2019, and I think a little bit into 2020, you were uh, managing your own collective, the 04 Collective. Um, and you have various uh, established main stage dubstep acts who are supporting you, as I'm reading from your Spotify bio right here, such as AU5 and Chime, which is really cool. Yeah, no, those guys are awesome. It's really cool how the whole melodic community sort of sticks together and supporting each other. Got a couple questions for you. Just like, so how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing really good. Yeah, so my new single, Datasphere, just released this Friday on Bygor. So today I'm taking over their Instagram, feeling pretty good, woke up nice and early with a good attitude. So ready for this podcast and ready to just take on the day. Mm -hmm. And you're in Toronto, right? Yep. Yeah. Toronto, Canada. Yeah. So how are things going in Toronto? Just curious. Just how are things? Um, good. Yeah. It's been really, really, really hot recently. We've been getting like 30 degree weather every single day. So I'm nice and cooped up in my room with the fans on and with the windows open late at night because it's just heating up in here. Um, but things are going good COVID wise. Um, we finally began opening up the city a little bit more. It feels great. I'm able to go out and see my friends, which I haven't been able to do for a long time. Um, and shows are slowly rolling back. So October 1st, actually, um, as long as guidelines permit it, I have my first show in downtown Toronto. Um, it's gonna be nice to get out locally, but super, super, super stoked that COVID numbers are going down and that we're kind of returning back into the flow of life. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, you just talked about how uh, you just released Datasphere on Bygore, and I think Bygore probably has to be the biggest label that you've released on to date. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, <clears throat> I think that all labels have their own sort of demographic and their own sort of like pushes that they go for. Like, if I were to compare some of the places that I've been on, I think that Bygore is a totally, totally new audience that I haven't really tapped into. It's a lot more of like the heavy dubstep rhythm sort of audience. So when they reached out to me and they took Datasphere, that was a huge, huge win for me because I get a whole new audience that I can now try and engage. Um, and they compare that to other places, you know, Rushdown and Ophelia, definitely looking for the sort of sound that I'm making right now. And then even Lacuna Records, where I've done my releases Fold and Daydream and Back Together recently, um, which is a super underrated label with insanely, insanely good Spotify playlist pushing for any artists that might be listening and looking for a place to send some music. Um, but yeah, they're, they're all different in their own sort of ways, but Bygor is definitely, definitely one of the bigger steps I've taken in my career. So I'm really, really happy they reached out to me. Yeah. So, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit more about Datasphere just as a track then? Sure. Um, Datasphere is a song that I made that kind of takes away, um, it steps away from, from being more of a personal track. And the last few songs that I've released, I think people have heard on my stories like time and time again, like oh, this is such a personal release to me. It means this, it means this, it means this. And there's all this personal connection. The Datasphere is kind of just something different. It was me sitting in the studio and just making a fun song using all of the information and all of like the new sound design techniques that I've learned over the past couple months and just slamming it together in one like ever-changing sort of creative idea that like, you know, changes from the intro to the first drop to the breakdown to the second drop to all the way through. Um, I just want to incorporate a bunch of new fun ideas and show off my sound design 
and just make music for the sake of making music for fun as opposed to trying to make it like a super personal experience like a lot of my other tracks have been yeah so you're saying so what you're trying to say here is that you're just trying to go more down what it's not necessarily about what you're trying to get out there it's more just kind of what you want to do and it's not necessarily that it's like anything that's supposed to be like incredibly personal to you exactly yeah it's just the last few releases like they all have a, a big underlying message that usually you know relates to the way that i'm feeling or some of the emotions that i was feeling through covid um and just my life experience but this song was like let me just go back to doing what i did when i started this alias which is making music for fun experimenting with sound design and just trying to put out some creative ideas that people haven't heard yet yeah so how was it then like releasing with bygore because of course like we said that's a really big deal so how was that honestly amazing and one of the best label experiences that i've had so far um the rollout plan the staff the just like assets that they've been sending me to upload like artwork and videos and things like that have all been top top notch um i was I'm really impressed by the experience in general just being so organized so on top of things and so managerial if that's the word i'm not sure <laughs> but uh, yeah a, a really good experience overall and I'm, I'm really happy with how datasphere is doing so far we're at like the two-day mark that the song's been released and we're at like 2k on both spotify and soundcloud with a whole lot of like artist support it's been really amazing all right yeah that's really awesome so like with that because it's like you said it's not really like really matches up with like a lot of what Bygore kind of puts out because they put out a lot more just kind of like that heavy kind of bro step kind of that just like yeah real like noise wall stuff and you releasing something melodic it's really cool to see you kind of tapping into a new audience and even with you kind of being pretty big and I guess kind of like the color based scene as well it's kind of a good kind of way to kind of dive in to just get a larger audience in a way which is really cool to see i think that was like the point for for me and bygor with this release is that they reached out to me for some music you know more obviously looking for some melodic content i'd assume if they were hitting me up and uh and i you know tried to deliver something that i thought their audience would like but would still be more or less fitting towards my sound so datasphere is definitely again a lot more of like an experimental melodic sort of tune and it has three drops that are all completely different from each other and sort of like slightly different styles and everything um, but I think, yeah, Bygor is kind of looking to expand their horizons and dabble a little bit in this melodic field now that it's kind of trending and popping up a bit. And I'm more than happy to send them some music and get a release out with them because, again, the experience has been great so far. Yeah, like, I mean, we talked on Friday a little bit on on the Instagram Live, but yeah, it's just been really cool to just kind of see like this whole kind of uprise of just a lot of these like small melodic producers, even kind of in this kind of like SoundCloud community as well that are like semi-established but are up and coming and it's really awesome to see yeah like all my friends around me are finally getting some really big opportunities and these are the guys that i've been talking to for the last like anywhere from three to five maybe even six years like the first example that comes to mind is obviously skybreak <clears throat> um me and skybreak have been friends for i'd say like six years now and we met over skype when we were little kids and we'd fantasize about playing shows and making music that we even enjoyed in the first place and um, to now years later, you know, see him like releasing on Disciple and getting his first now festival booking at Starbase Festival and all these huge things along with other friends like Sharks, um, even Ace Aura, seeing him come on to Rushdown uh, when I was first originally there and then now getting to the point that he is now, like everyone around me is just growing so, so quickly and I want to keep up. But at the end of the day, the music that I'm making is the music that I enjoy making for fun. And I think that's what we're all trying to do is just making what we like and finally it's gotten to a point where it's kind of trending and doing well so yeah congrats to all my friends you guys are killing it yes yeah, because i think it's really important that like it's still like really important for the artists themselves to still be kind of like really caring about what they like and not necessarily like quote 
selling out. And I'm not saying necessarily that there are any of those artists that you mentioned, people yeah. like Skybreak and Asora, that they're, quote, selling out. All the music that they're putting out still sounds like stuff that they really enjoy and stuff that still kind of sounds like their older stuff before they kind of really started taking off. But it's really cool to just kind of see more unique trends here from really unique, awesome artists that are taking off. Yeah, well, in the years that I've been like making music and being involved in the community and everything, I'm pretty active on my socials and on Discord especially. I love like meeting new producers and talking to new people. Um, and over the years, there have been a lot of people that just completely changed the direction of their music. Um, a, obviously, because they wanted to, but also be like subconsciously or maybe in the back of their heads, you know, thinking that, oh, making this genre will give me like more opportunity and more of an audience and a fan base and, you know, so forth. But um, with those guys that I mentioned earlier, uh, all the melodic dudes and everything, um, they're just making the music that they want to make. And they've been doing that since the very start and sticking with it. And I'm really, really happy that this whole color based future rhythm thing has began trending a little bit because now finally, all these melodic artists can get the opportunities that they've always wanted to get without having to like change their style or subdue to what's popular right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely seems like just kind of the whole, I guess, EDM in general has really been evolving. And you said you're coming up on what, six, seven years now? Yeah, as six and a half paper? years. Paper? Yeah. Paper skies. Yeah. So yeah, so you used to be paper planes and then you were paper skies, right? Yeah, the Paper Planes alias, It's that's pretty funny to hear that actually. It's been, I think, f almost five years now since I've gone by that alias, but that was my original name uh, before I rebranded the Paper Skies, yeah. Yeah, because, well, I remember you from the Haywire remix, that's why. Wow, that was a long time ago. That's yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the first public thing on my SoundCloud right now from that era of music, and there's plenty of music that came before that remix, um, but I've just privated it all now just because not only is the quality sort of not there but i think i was just really experimenting with my sound at that time and i would like to unprivate it all one day like give people a look into my past releases and what you know brought me to becoming paper skies or whatever but for now i'm gonna I'm tuck it under the rug we can revisit it later <laughs> yeah i'm a little self-conscious about my music could rebrand after rebrand simply just because i didn't like my name <laughs> yeah it takes a while to land on a name that like sticks with your audience and is like very searchable if that's the word you know like good seo results and everything and, yeah uh, which paper skies does i look you up and the first thing i find is you so yeah i'm so happy with that that's kind of like coincidental or like accidental um i didn't fully fully intend um the name paper planes was something that i named myself because uh it was named my virtual favorite virtual riot track at the time oh i love that track too yeah the drum and bass song yeah. Um, but I was really inspired by that song in particular, and I wanted to try and do a name that wasn't Paper Planes, but all the signs kept kind of like pointing in that direction because I wanted to make melodic music, and I searched the definition of melodic, and it meant like air and flying and sky and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, Paper Planes fly in the sky, I should do that. So I was Paper Planes for a bit, and then I got an um, a email from Nest HQ, Skrillex's sub-label, and they were like, yo, we just signed this new house duo named Paper Planes. And they are more popular than you. So you should probably change your name. Otherwise, when you release on Spotify, you're going to get like account merging issues. Um, and I misread that email as a 14 year old kid as, oh my God, mom, dad, Skrillex is going to sue me. So I changed my name immediately <laughs> to, <laughs> changed my name immediately to Paper Skies because Skies simply just Skies was the name of my Discord server because I was like, oh, paper planes fly in the skies. So kind of just came together nicely. Also, the other thing was, I've just had had to do a little bit of a deep dive and some research into you the past couple of days just to, um, before the podcast. So uh, let's talk about Clip It. Clip. 
Um, yeah. So you were like one of the most popular artists. How does it feel from going from those days to to where you are now? Um, it was it was a strange time. Like when I first started making music, I was still under Paper Planes at the time. Um, Clip is a website for those who don't know. That's kind of like Dropbox for audio files. Except there was a feature where if enough people had voted for your song, it would be featured on the front page of the Clip website for a week. Um, Think like Reddit and SoundCloud combined. Yeah, exactly. And a bit more of like a loose, let me post a whip format instead of like a full finished project. There's just a lot of like drop ideas or intros or things like that. But I just started uploading my music there. And the first thing to get featured of mine was this collaboration with an artist named Light, who's a melodic dubstep producer. I haven't heard from him in a little bit. That reminds me, I should probably hit him up at some point. But like, if you're listening, that, you're cool. Light. You should hit up Dan. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was working on a collab with him, and that got put on like the front page on like the fifth slot or something. And I saw that and was like, "Yo, I'm on the front page of a website." That was like the first thing that had happened to me as paper planes like ever. That was like kind of semi cool to be on the front of a website that I didn't really know of much. So <laughs> I started uploading all of my whips there and like really pushing to like build an audience there. And next thing I know for about a year and a half, I was on like the top of the front page, like every single day for that year. almost. <laughs> and, um, and I met a lot of really cool producers that became really close friends to me over the years. And I got a whole lot of cool collabs from that website, just finding people and stuff. And then I figured, you know what? I'm, I feel like I probably shouldn't be stealing the spotlight on the front page of this thing for a while. So I just stopped uploading there for a bit, just simply because A, I wasn't working on as much music and B, I just felt like I was hogging the front page and not like giving anybody sort of a chance as, as weird as that sounds. So I took a step back from it, but I think Clip is still doing well. The site is still up. You can't vote for things to be on the front page anymore, but it is still a great website just for dropboxing audio files. If you don't want to upload your stuff on SoundCloud, quick producer tip. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I'm always used to just like making like private links on SoundCloud and then I just yeah. realized oh i have just used up all my space on soundcloud so now i have to delete all of it <laughs> yeah not only that but i don't know why my ocd kicks in when i like log into my personal soundcloud and i see that i have like 70 tracks on soundcloud or something i'm like wait a minute i swear i only have like 20 <laughs> <laughs> yeah another thing is i've been seeing that you are also really into photography yeah yeah, I've been shooting. Uh, I've been shooting on a DSLR, a uh, Canon T six I, for the past like four years. Um, I got into that just. All of my interests have been sort of just a slow progression. It started with um, the music. Obviously, I was really inspired to like start a uh, start being a producer and learn how to get into that stuff. I got FL Studio, and then from there, I was like, I want to make my own album cover. So I got into Photoshop and learning how to design. And then from there, I was like, I want press photos and I want to have an album cover with me in it. So I got into photography and then the photography left me to do some urban exploration stuff. And then from there, I got into doing typography um, and then web design. And now I'm just doing a whole bunch of designy, fun, creative stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'm looking at your Instagram right now and I just see like a lot of this cool stuff that you've done. And even like some some of the other cool stuff, like, um, for example, we talked on Friday about uh, Moonlight. Uh, your track on All Nighter. Um, so that was seems to look like it's a collaboration with Sharks, who's also a really talented graphic designer. Um, yeah. So he, he made the video, correct? Um, yeah, we, we went kind of back and forth on that one. Like there was like a bit of a video slash art collaboration as well as the music side of it. Once we saw that the track got accepted, we were like, hey, sick. So now we're 100% putting this out. 
and Sharks made some artwork, um, I think using Cinema 4D, either that or Blender. And it had these like figures sort of standing around it. And then I took his artwork and did some Photoshop work to it and tried to paper skysify it, um, posted that to my SoundCloud. And then we compiled a video that Sharks had made with a video that another animator had made just as a fan, like a, a fan video sort of thing. And then some stuff that I had done. Um, and we combined those three things and we uploaded to YouTube and made like a, a video sort of just contributing whoever was able to contribute. Yeah, so that's really cool to see. Um, but yeah, so like how long, I just actually should ask you this beforehand. How long have you been like producing for? Um, yeah, I've been producing for like six, six and a half years. Um, so the producing has been all of that time. And then the design and the photography and all the other things sort of just flowed in with it. So the photography was like four years ago. The design was also six years ago. I got into web design two or three years ago and then got into typography just this year during quarantine because I wanted to learn how to make my yeah. own font. So, and how old are you now? Uh, I'm 20. Ah, okay. So, yeah. That number. <laughs> so, yeah, it seems like so you've really only been doing this since you were like 14 then. Yeah, I was just a little kid. I was like playing the piano growing up and singing and entering the school talent show and singing Bruno Mars and playing on the piano and whatever. And then um, I was always interested in electronic music and I was talking to my piano teacher about it and she somehow like kind of convinced me that I needed this big 10K studio if I wanted to start. Yeah, and you need to be like um, dead mouse with all of exactly, his analog right? synths everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but all that stuff I thought was like required to make music. And then I joined a virtual riot live stream where he was making his song Lunar uh, years and years and years ago. And I was in the chat being an annoying little shit like, yo, how much does it cost to start making music? How much does it cost to start making music? And finally, someone like tagged me and was like, yo, like, shut up, bro. You just download a demo of a software. It's free, you idiot. And I got <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Virtual Riot just I think he serves as a major inspiration to just a lot of people in the community. Yeah, he's like such a forefront artist in the community. I think it's because when he initially started to get big with like his old, old, old melodic stuff. That was like all of the young, you know, producers who were listening, like not even producers yet, like, you know, kids like me who were listening to like Monster Cat and a lot more like gaming music, you know? Mm -hmm. So we yeah. touched on the virtual riot sort of melodic gaming music, glitch hop esque sort of stuff. And as he's grown to become like a top dog in the in the dubstep community and one of like, you know, the faces of EDM almost, I would say, um, we've all just grown with him and seen him have that progression, you know? So he definitely inspires my music, not only my music, but I think kind of just like my production journey of, you know, do what you want, make what you want. And eventually you'll get to a cool point of uh, maybe playing shows or doing stuff like that. Yeah. Another thing is um, just on another topic is you and climbing buildings. Yeah. Urban X. Yeah, that's really cool. Can you can you just talk a little bit more about Urban X and what that's all what the, what that is all about? Yeah, sure. So I do a lot of like urban exploration stuff where I did when I was younger. I haven't done it in the past year, two years now, probably because of quarantine. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to continue with it just because now, you know, I'm 20. I was a little I was younger before, so I was kind of under the law and whatever. But um, me and my friends just like to go to a lot of abandoned places or a lot of places that are currently being worked on and kind of explore and take photos and get cool videos and stuff. And some of them do it professionally um, for like websites and for magazines to like, you know, if they need a skyline shot of Toronto or something, you know, they'll climb a crazy building and get a photo up there and get that on the front cover or something. But I always sort of just tagged along with them because I like the aspect of just exploring. And funny enough, all of my friends that are into rooftop and urban exploration are into melodic dubstep. I don't know how that like coincides, but it does. So I really melt the crowd. 
Um, and we just grew up together taking photos and stuff. And then now years down the road, I have all this footage and all this, these cool photos of me climbing buildings and doing crazy shit that I wouldn't do anymore, probably because I was young and stupid at the time. But I can use that now as like promotional material, which is what I did for Datasphere. The album cover is a climb that I did like two and a half years ago in downtown Toronto. I won't specify exactly where. Um, and then we got a bunch of footage uh, just from a separate climb on that same building from years, years before, actually. And I recently, yesterday, the day before, a few days ago, I've just been working on this music video for Datasphere, which is coming out today uh, on my YouTube page. Um, it should be out by now, by the time the podcast is out. Yeah, and it's a music video that has just a bunch of cool clips of me climbing this building and doing some cool effects on it. And it's really weird looking back because it's like all these old memories now being compiled into a song, which I had no idea at the time of us taking those drone shots that that would end up being the Datasphere music video. So it's all just fell in place. So, and going on to that with the whole Datasphere music video. So with Datasphere, how long has that track been in production for then? Mm, that song was almost finished a year ago um, at this point. And it's kind of that song along with Datasphere and, and or da- along with Daydream, sorry, and Fold. Um, we're supposed to be on an EP with Lacuna Records. It was going to be a three track EP. But then Lacuna had said, you know, currently I think we're working with more singles. So we'd like to release the tracks individually as singles. So that sounds totally good to me. And then I ended up sending them a song called Back Together instead of Datasphere because I thought that would be a better fit for the type of like sound that they're able to push really well. Um, so now I just had Datasphere as an extra single. And then when Bygor approached me, I was like, please take this one because not only was I going to do it as a self-release of my own SoundCloud at that point, but I think it would be, you know, a good fit, like I said, to kind of meld those two worlds together of like heavy and melodic. Yeah. And yeah, because like we talked about earlier, it's just you tr- getting into this new kind of scene of just kind of like this heavier noise wall bro stuff. Do you ever think that maybe you'll just like go m- maybe more into like a heavier route with your music? Um, I've experimented before. Like I have an EP called the Astronomy EP that was released on Rushdown about like two and a half years ago, I think. Uh, maybe two, maybe less. I have no idea. But <laughs> it's um, it was me experimenting with a bit of a heavier sound, more of a drum step sound. So it was like, three dubstep songs that were a little bit like heavier than my usual sound um and we're all like 160 to 175 bpm really fast paced stuff just like pure full power head banging at a show um and i'm excited to try and incorporate those a little bit in my sets i think like going back to the thing of the virtual riot of how he's gone from genre to genre to genre um i realized with my own music that if i just keep experimenting and i make the music that i want to make in whatever moment i'm feeling um it'll give me a nice you know diverse toolkit when it comes around to like playing shows and doing sets and stuff because i'll be able to move from like melodic dubstep to like future bassy stuff back to heavier dubstep back to like you know my fast-paced dubstep stuff and kind of just move around the decks uh pretty easily without like having to worry about the styles lining up since if i'm making the music you know i'm going to think about those things i'm going to think about the transitions in my sets and everything um and it's just going to make them feel a lot more easygoing and free-flowing since it's like a cohesive sound from start to finish that just changes kind of in genre yeah so you're talking about doing sets and i actually um have never really gone to any like live shows i've just been since like COVID happened i've just seen like all these just twitch streams and that's oh, yeah. basically the only experience i've ever had with like live shows okay. but um so with you you're playing that show in toronto soon now that the world's just kind of opening up yeah um yeah so with your sets necessarily is it like you only play your music then um not only my music i want my sets to just be like purely me and my friends like i just want to play my friends tracks i want to play my songs i want to play music that people like haven't heard before but it's still gonna like 
feel recognizable. And I mean that in a way that you're still going to get that heavy bass that you're looking for. You're still going to get that melodic sound that you're looking for. Like, I just want to satisfy all of those cravings that the listeners are going to have, but not necessarily do it with the most popular sort of overheard music. I'd rather like show off some of my friends and what they've been doing because genuinely, genuinely, a lot of my friends that I hang out with, um, the first people that maybe come to mind are like, um, let's say Katito, Kazuki, Joby, Def Sharp, um, Eli Derp, Surface, like so many crazy artists. If you search up any of these guys, you'll see their discographies, like top, top tier music with, you know, like smaller followings. And I just want to get that music out there, play that shit out, play my own shit out, give people a unique set that's still fun, enjoyable. So hopefully if they do latch on and maybe follow me on Instagram or Twitter or something, you know, they can see that set list and, uh, you know, promote my friends a little bit through it. Yeah, so that's it's really awesome to see just how how much you really care about not only just kind of you yourself, but also like how much you really care about supporting your friends, especially since you like you've said, a lot of your friends have been like taken off recently. Yeah. And not only my friends, but just the community in general. Like there's gonna be a lot of music that I wanna play as well, maybe from people that I don't talk to as much, but like just some, you know, more or less like underground producers. Not to say I'm not underground. I'm definitely, you know, sounding kind of like a, a rising, slowly rising up artist. and coming. I mean, that's what <laughs> yeah. this podcast is up and coming producers yeah. and but, um, that's why you're here <laughs> sure but for some of the guys that might even be starting out not their first like couple hundred followers like there's a lot a lot of good music out there that doesn't get its chance so i'm happy to try and provide in whatever ways i can yeah so um with that because like we talked about you and supporting all your friends uh oh four collective let's talk about that for a little bit yeah um so oh four collective for people who don't know was dan's collective well it still is but it's just i guess i guess you can kind of say it's is it temporarily ceasing operations currently yeah i'd say that for now we can just say plain and simple that it's closed but it is going to be coming back one day um to say a little bit about it 04 collective is a record label that i had started with my friend marky uh Katito, at one point um and then eventually management shifted and we had e-halls come on and an animator named roaming 97 who did a phenomenal job with animating our album covers but the whole idea was just to like really push the underground, but in like a, a more promotional sort of aspect. Um, I found that with a lot of labels, they all have that tag, like, you know, pushing the best underground bass music. Like it's very easy to just start up a label and kind of put that in your description and have that be your shtick that like, oh, I'm pushing the underground sound. Um, but I really, really wanted to like hone in my focus on specific artists, which is why I chose to go with the name collective as opposed to like records. Um, and stick with like a family of friends and cohesive artists that I knew were going to be able to deliver like high quality music. Um, and we pushed a lot of songs beyond like 100k in our first year of operations. Um, I was really, really like proud that we were able to do that in the first place, give some of these guys some opportunity. Um, like if I look at Rushers, for example, he was an artist, a very small melodic artist who we were managing to get over 100k on all of his releases that he did with us. Um, we got some Spotify editorials with Famous Fear. Um, we got one of Def Sharp's songs at like 300k and still growing rapidly at this point. And then other people like Ives Iris, who's like a fuse of like kind of darker pop melodic stuff almost. Um, we did a, a really cool release with him called Eyesore that I'm really happy with. Long story, I'm getting into a bit of a rant here. Um, I had a lot of fun running the label. I met a lot of amazing producers, kept those guys around. They're still friends of mine to this day. And 04 Collective got to a point where it was doing very, very well and showed no signs of really slowing down. Um, if anything, we were taking bigger and bigger steps. 
but I realized, hey, I'm 18 years old and I've literally made my entire life running this record label and I'm not going outside, I'm not eating, I'm not seeing my friends, I'm not working on music, I'm not like really enjoying life. So I'm gonna take a pause from this record label thing and come back to it when uh, I've got a bit more resources to spare. Yeah. So it seems like you are kind of in the same position where I was, where I was like just trying to also balance like school life as well then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm studying um, graphic design at a school called OCAD University right now uh, in downtown Toronto. So managing that as well as the record label, that's when it really hit me because the record label started when I was in my graduating year, 12th grade, um, and it started right around when school had ended. So I had the whole summer to kind of flow into running the label. Things went smoothly. Everything was great. But then uh, real life sort of hit when I had to get a job and do school and run this label at the same time. So <laughs> it was probably a lot easier for you than graduating then and then for me now since i've just graduated kind of in the middle of covid i guess yeah. in a way so yeah yeah the, my experience like i'm very lucky to have i guess graduated when i did i feel bad for everyone you know who had to go through that in the middle of covid and everything but i'm definitely happy to be out of school and i i try to take covid in the most like positive sort of outlook as i could um there was a lot of personal growth a lot of uh new production experiences and through COVID, um, I was able to meet some really, really cool producers and some of my idols even just over Discord now that everyone was kind of like sitting at home and on their computers and not touring and a bit more uh, leisure time to spend. <laughs> of course, making a lot more music and just, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's just really cool, like we said, just to kind of see that COVID has really just kind of, I, I feel like COVID in general has really kind of affected just the whole kind of under, especially the underground scene, because it feels like everybody here in the underground is a lot more closer mm. would you say would you say about that so like i want to kind of hear your insight about how covid has affected i guess kind of the underground scene from basically what you've seen i think it's had a very positive change um because people i think are just being more honest with themselves and who they are and the type of music that they want to make um now that you know shows aren't like pushing artists more in the direction of oh you have to make this sound oh you have to make this sound and i think that whole melodic color base rise is like a very very good example of that with that genre sort of not even existing and and having like a focus to getting to the point now where there are record labels that are determined to like find that exact style you know mm -hmm. um so there's been a big shift in, I think, the sound and the community. That one is pretty obvious. But I think the biggest shift is in the way that the community interacts with each other. And the fact that, like you said, artists are getting a lot closer now. And some small artists had opportunities to talk to some of the bigger guys. But in a way that it's it's not the way you kind of have to take it, I guess, is that, you know, you're not reaching out to a bigger guy. You're simply reaching out to another artist who's making music for a living or, you know, just for fun. And they got into it for the exact same reasons you did. So if you approached it, I think that way, that's that's those are the people that like made those connections during COVID. Because even um, I think a good example of that is like Subtronics. Uh, Subtronics is like such an active face in the social media, like EDM community, um, especially on Twitter. And I would manage to connect with them. I know a few friends as well were able to connect with them. And I never thought that would be the case. Firstly, you know, being a listener of his music for quite a long time like being able to just have that normal conversation about non-music related things was like very nice and very uh, humbling to know that, you know, people are just people on the other side. People are real. It doesn't matter yeah. about the blue check mark next to your name. They are real. Exactly. Just like a normal person, you know, chilling at home with your, I don't know, your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, just 
watching Netflix and eating chips on the couch on the weekend. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, they, they live a normal life. It's not just who you see on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess with, um, yeah. Cause like you were talking about with the whole kind of color based thing, especially with that kind of for a couple of years now, Chime has really been pushing a special talent, with, like the new colors series, which is really yeah. cool to see. Yeah. And also, like, um, just the kind of color-based compilation series which you were on with um, Nebula, yeah. right? Yeah, Nebula with Katito. Um, so there was that, and then, um, yeah, and then also with, like, Halcyon, like you talked about. Yeah, like we talked about with, like, the Future Rhythm, especially with, like, Ulysseo pushing, like, some really small talent, and even getting, like, yeah. some, even, like, the virtual space yacht shows going. Yeah, that was sick. Uh, I really like watching that online event. I saw all the sets mm-hmm. there. Yeah, for example, like phone on set, just how crazy that was. Just phone on in general, just a crazy person. Yeah, that was super sick. I really enjoyed watching that set. Phone on, like, really delivered something different there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just not, and just phone on in general is just, I don't think a, a artist who you necessarily see, not necessarily an artist who had been existing in the dubstep scene, which is really mm-hmm. cool. There's nobody yeah, who's like uh, making really kind of experimental kind of jazzy stuff i think like maybe the closest thing to that was maybe like mr bill with Mm -hmm. just kind of crazy sound design stuff like that but nothing that was like incredibly like really kind of jazzy and just kind of taking a completely new approach to just like four 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 bangers basically (laughs) yeah i think there's a lot of artists that have like sort of dabbled in that mix of like jazz and edm like the first people that come to mind for me would be like cohen sound or anomaly or haywire um, guys of that sort of thing. But I think Phonon's like rise to rise to the stage was sort of like the fact that he combined the average rhythm heavier dubstep sort of scene with that future like what, what's the word for it? Future jazz. Yeah, I always just want to call it just like experimental music since I don't because it's just kind of very just kind of very niche and nobody else is really doing it. That goes to the comment I was making earlier, which yeah. is artists in general. I think that through COVID, a lot of artists are finding themselves now a lot more in the sort of music that they want to make. Because even looking at Phonon or a lot of those guys, like a lot of rhythm producers, discographies before COVID and coming out of COVID, they've really all like shaped a unique sound. And some of them stayed in rhythm, some of them didn't. But regardless, like every producer has, has grown a lot. And I think if you look at any producer pre-COVID and post-COVID, you're going to see a big change, not only in their production, but in the style of music that they're going for. I'd say even in myself. Um, my old music was very just like saw stack, lead, bass, and repeat the whole process. Um, and now it's been a lot more experimentation and a lot more synth work and a lot more like introducing elements of future bass in more of a dubstepy kind of environment. And also people who have just entirely changed their sounds. I think a good example of this is um, your good your good friend Def Sharp. Um, sure. Yeah, Def yeah. Sharp, who actually just released a really awesome EP this year with Tides. Tides EP. That's yeah. such a good EP. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, would, I wouldn't mind talking about that for a bit even. Um, Def Sharp, for anybody who doesn't know, this is the Def Sharp rant segment of this podcast, but he's an <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing producer and such, such a sweet dude. Um, I've known him for, I think, four, maybe five years now, but we've only gotten close during uh, COVID. We started talking a lot more and playing Fall Guys, and the next thing you know, he's, uh, he's a freaky fucker guy that I talk to almost every day. Um <laughs> But he went from making like really crazy dubstep and drum and bass. Mind you, since he was 14 years old, he's been absolutely crushing it with his sound design, mixing and everything and beyond. I don't think he got the credit he deserved back then. But now 
um, that he's kind of experimented in EDM and like dabbled in all these different genres. He's moving to more of like an R&B sort of like pop um, phase of his music that's still very clean, very well mixed and such insane like creative ideas driven from a lot of different uh, points of inspiration. So if you guys haven't heard of Def Sharp, check out Def Sharp, check out his Tides EP. It is beautiful. And he has a new song out now as well. Just check oh. out all of his music in general. He's awesome. <laughs> Do that, yeah. By the way, oh, Alex, God. if you're watching this, I would love to have you on the show. Just letting you know. <laughs> Common courtesy out now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, so we're I guess we're at kind of like 35 minutes here. Um, or maybe even a little bit more than that. So uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, just kind of a, a fun little question for you. Sure. Um, so TikTok and kind of you and this whole kind of fashion series that you have. Yeah. Um, TikTok is something I haven't dabbled with too, too, too much, but I'm trying to get into a little bit. Um, I just had an idea through, you know, uh, COVID. I was posting a lot of like outfits that I was wearing just because I'm really personally into fashion. And um, by that, I just mean like different styles and different clothing brands and like the actual like texture on certain clothes. I'm just a, a bit of a bit of a clothing nerd, I guess. But um I was posting a lot of outfits on Twitter. People seemed to really like them. And I was like, hey, let me see if I can turn this into a series. And how can I relate it to music? So I decided to make a series of me wearing outfits inspired by other producers and artists' styles, um, whether it's more like tech wear, whether it's more classy, or whether it's more like chill. Um, every producer, I think, has their own style of clothing that sort of lines up with the music that they're making and the vibe of their whole aesthetic and alias and everything. So trying to capture those in a fun little series. Um, the main goal of it was to post as Instagram reels. But then I was like, you know what, this is this is perfect for TikTok. So I might as well post there. And I've been doing that. I don't know how successful it's been. The TikTok stuff I haven't been focusing on too, too, too much. But I got to learn and uh, get into that niche for sure. Yeah, but it's just a cool thing that, you know, I guess is still kind of part of the whole Paper Skies brand, too. So it's just thought yeah. it might be something worth mentioning here. Another thing is, um, can you explain the tweet that you put out that was Melodic Dubstep Island? You talked about it in a podcast, and then I looked it up. Can you please explain that? I do not know what it means. It doesn't mean anything, to be honest. Like, we, I talked about it. Um, I have my own podcast series called The Skycast with Skybreak, and we interviewed Luca Lush. And in that interview, we're, we're going from podcast to podcast. This is like the fourth, fifth wall or something broken. But um, he mentioned that if you just tweet dubstep and in all lowercase and just hit tweet, that it has a very good chance of being one of your biggest tweets. And to prove that, this is months before that interview at Luca Lush, but I uh, put out a tweet, yeah, it just said Melodic Dubstep Island in all lowercase with a photo of this like strange looking flat island that I had found on Google. I was in a group chat with a bunch of Melodic producers and they were just kind of shooting the shit. And then out of nowhere, I sent that photo and just said Melodic Dubstep Island and everyone started shitting themselves. <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay, well, they find it funny. Maybe Twitter will too. And I posted it. And I think to date, it's still my biggest tweet. It's just a photo of a blank island that says Melodic Dubstep Island. And I don't know why <laughs> it's <is> big. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's just something because uh, you talked about it about it in that episode. I was just like, does it mean anything? So it's just definitely not. I think it's just like, it's a good example of have fun with your social media, be yourself, crack jokes, like. The more personality I think you can show on social media, with of course being careful with that, you know, that and making sure you're not saying anything out of line and that you're thinking about what you're posting. I'm sure there wasn't a lot of thought behind Melodic Dubstep Island, but you get the point. 
um, post fun stuff and yeah, your audience will engage with you a lot more and you'll be able to meet a lot of really cool people and like get in nice conversations with eventual friends. Yeah. All right. So I think we're kind of, you, we actually are kind of wrapping up here anyways. So, um, uh, yeah, this is, uh, Dan paper skies. I just want to thank you for, uh, you know, coming on the first episode of the show. It's really, it's a real honor for me to be able to have somebody like that as my first guest. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, if you're uh, watching this on YouTube, uh, make sure to, uh, what subscribe, like do all those things. I haven't done the YouTube thing in years. So like, it's no me kind of coming back to that. <laughs> um, yeah, because before, yeah, because of course, because like before I did, um, yeah, music production, then I just being in music in general, I was just making gaming videos on YouTube because, you know, what other middle schooler, what else would a middle schooler do? So, yeah. Anyways, YouTube people, subscribe, like, comment, all those things. Um, if you're uh, listening to this via any podcast service, uh, be sure to, you know, give me a follow. Um, and yeah, Dan, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Have a great day.